What's the point? What is the point of Christmas? That's what we've been asking. Is it about presents? Is it about elves on the shelves? Anybody got an elf on the shelf running loose in their house? We got a shepherd on the search. That's what we got, right? It's like the it's like the more Jesusy version than whatever you're doing at your house, right? Okay. It's like the more holy version. He's searching for Jesus, and he happens to get in trouble a lot. So, um, <laughs> so what's the point of? Christmas this morning, we're going to look at Jesus, the greater priest. You can follow along in your outline if you would so choose. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. What's the point? What's the point of Christmas? What's the point of Christianity? What's the point of the Bible? That's what we are unpacking in this series together. And here's the simple and big idea. The whole Bible points to Jesus. The the point of Christmas, the point of Christianity, the point of life itself is Jesus. And this book, this entire book, it, it, it points to that. Right? Uh, some of you were wondering about this Jesus Bible. Uh, this is a cool new Bible that came out, I think, last year. Uh, and in and throughout the Bible here, they have all these amazing little inserts that tell you about how different verses are connected and pointing to Jesus. These weird passages in Leviticus that you don't think have anything to do with the story. They actually point to Jesus. These New Testament Gospels, these, these epistles written to the church. How does it all point us to Jesus? Some of you... Email me this week. You want to pick one of these up? Awesome. Hey, if you want to see some more uh, on this and you want to check this out, I'll leave it up here so you can see it afterwards. And then you can maybe get one on Amazon. I think there were like 30 bucks this week. So there you go. Christmas present. There you go. And specifically what we said is that whole book, it points to Jesus. And, and in the Old Testament, there's three specific roles um, that it points to. It points to Jesus three roles as prophet and priest and king. Three holy offices, three roles that Jesus fulfills that are foreshadowed throughout the entire Old Testament. Last week we said prophet. One who comes to proclaim that God's, uh, to proclaim that God's people are to repent and to return to Him. That, we said that uh, the prophet came and said repent. And come back to God. And that the prophet, Jesus, when he comes, he says the same thing. Repent and come back to God. And as a church, we still need to hear this message fresh. Coming here today isn't about getting all your stuff together. Right? It's not about you being perfect. It's about you recognizing that you're in need of a Savior. That there are things that take you away from God. And there are things that take you to God. And you should turn to those things that take you to God. Specifically, you should turn to Jesus. Right? We should repent from all our own devices, our habits, our addictions, our prideful ways, our selfishness, everything that takes us from God, and that we should repent and we should return. And the job of the prophet was to pro- pro- proclaim that message. Repent and return. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled that office. He fulfilled that role. He was the mouthpiece of God to the people. But this week, we're going to look at Jesus as the 
priest. Jesus as the priest. And the role of the Old Testament priest was very interesting. It was almost the exact opposite of the prophet. It was to stand in God's presence on the people's behalf. So if the prophet, listen, right? If the prophet hears from God and then speaks to the people, he's a mouthpiece to the people, right? He stands in between God and the people and speaks on God's behalf. That's the job of the prophet. But the priest, here's the priest's job, right? The priest stands before the people and he turns and he is the voice piece of the people back to God. Right? He stands in between the people and God on the people's behalf. And so that's what the Old Testament priests did. The priest's main job was simply to stand in God's presence between the people and God so that the people didn't need to approach God because they had something that we don't have much of these days, which is a healthy fear of God. They realized that God could kill them very quickly, right? And in a variety of ways, and there was this really deep sense of fear and trembling of not just the one true God, but of all gods, right? And so they would always put these priests in between them and the God almost as a buffer, right? Like, hey, priests, we need some help. Why don't you go talk to the gods for us? We're kind of afraid of what they might say or what they might do. So why don't you be our representative on our behalf? Would you be a priest for us? And so um, the priests had some specific duties, right? Some specific duties. Number one, they would give blessings. They would give blessings. So they would bless the people. At the end of this service, I do something that maybe you grew up with, right? And, and maybe not, um, but it, it's something that comes uh, way out of the Old Testament. It's the Aaronic blessing. And I put my hands up usually and I say, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine on you and the Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you His peace. In fact, that was a verse that we memorized earlier this year, right? You've still got that memorized, correct? Okay? Alright, good. You got that one and you got Jesus wept. You remember those two, right? Okay, perfect. I won't quiz you on the rest. Okay. But that is a priestly blessing found in the Old Testament. So one of the jobs of the priest was to provide blessing for the people, right? That, that, that they, would, they would represent the people to God and they would bring back blessing from the God on behalf of the people. And so they would, they would write blessings, they would sing blessings, they would give vocal blessings over the people. They would say, hey, may, may you be blessed with a bounteous crop this year. May you be blessed with generations of children. May you be blessed with health. Uh, may you be blessed with all the things that you need to survive in this life. And so one of the, one of the uh, roles of the priest was to bless the people. Second uh, role of the priest was to offer prayers. So they were the chief prayer leader, just like Taylor did for us this morning, right? The priest's role, one of their main roles was to offer prayers on behalf of the people. And I think sometimes we think about these folks like they're archaic and, and how come they acted in certain ways. But let's think about this, right? We have a very comfortable life and we need to put ourselves in their shoes, Right? These are people who are wandering around the desert for 40 years, and, and even when they weren't in the desert, it's not like they had Wi-Fi, right? Okay? 
They didn't have Wi-Fi. They didn't have gasoline. They didn't have cars. Right? They didn't have grocery stores. Right? They knew where their food came from. Right? And they knew if the food didn't grow in that certain field, they might not have food this year. They knew if the water ran out in that certain little pond or lake or, or spring that they knew of, if that, if that ran out or they overused that, that they would have problems, right? They knew that there were these simple things. If they, if they didn't have children, that they couldn't pass on their legacy. They couldn't go from generation to generation and their name would not outlive them. They had these simple needs in life that we oftentimes, we just overlook, right? Well, I mean, we don't we don't think about these things on on a real regular basis. Where does my food come from? Is there going to be enough water today? Right? And yet, these people they knew that these were their basic needs, and because of that, it led them to prayer. Right? I've said this quote before: If you love someone, you're going to want more for them than you can give them, and that should lead you to prayer. Right? Right? And so, when the people had needs, when they said, man, we can't, we're not able to conceive a child, and our legacy is not going to be passed on, and we're not going to be able to be a good, strong people in the future, right? They would want the priest to pray on their behalf. If they, if they didn't have crops coming in, they'd want the priest to go to the God and to pray for crops on their behalf. They'd want the, the priest to go and talk to God and say, hey, hey, we have a water shortage and so can can you can we get water maybe even Moses from a rock right maybe you know that story right and so there were all these moments when the priest would stand in in the front of God on behalf of the people asking and praying for certain things so they would give blessing they would offer prayers and lastly they would offer sacrifices they would offer sacrifices because if you're if your crops are not doing well, or if your water's running out, or you can't have children, or um, there's, there's disease, or there's something going on that is hurting your people, right? Uh, maybe you'd have to offer something to that God. You'd have to offer a sacrifice to that God. Um, so that it would appease the God, so it would make the God happy, so that maybe you could get what you needed from the gods, right? And this was a normal practice of not just the Israelites, but of all the people in that time and in that day and in that age, right? They would say, hey, um, I'm not getting enough crops, so then I'm going to burn a bunch of my uh, grain from last year, and maybe the God will see that as something good, and they will say, oh, look, that person sacrificed such great things, and, and so um, then I will give them more crops. Or they would say, hey, um, we're going to sacrifice uh, uh, an animal on the behalf of something, or, or they would give up something so that the God would be appeased, so that the God would answer to them. And the Israelites had uh, practices similar to this, but different, because they believed that they knew the one true Yahweh God, and that Yahweh God was provider for them. It was what he was teaching them. He, he was teaching them throughout the story of the Old Testament that he was a different kind of God than the rest of them. Right? If you know the story of Abraham and Isaac, Abraham takes Isaac, his one and only son, to the top of the mountain because God has asked him to sacrifice his son on the altar, which we kind of think is a crazy thought. But in that day and age, that is just simply what the gods asked for. Right? That's what every god asked for. God asked, the gods asked for more and more and more. And the only way you knew if you would appease them is if you gave more and more and more and if they answered you in the way that you would want them to answer you, right? So when Abraham goes up the mountain, we think that's crazy. How could he take Isaac to the top of the mountain and he's going to kill, he's going to kill this son. But then you know what happens, right? 
This God, this God's different. He intervenes, right? And he says, no, no, no. I will provide the sacrifice. And so when they get to the top of the mountain, right, an angel literally stops. Abraham says, no, no, no. Look in the thicket. There's a ram. It's just like down, uh, driving down the street here, right? We've got the rams all in the way, right? One of these rams is hanging out in the thicket. Its, it's horns are all stuck in the thicket. He grabs that ram. He throws it up in the altar because this God, this God doesn't, doesn't require my children. He doesn't require a greater sacrifice. This God, He provides for us. He provides for us. He's different. And so the Israelites, they offered sacrifices, but they offered them differently, right? They offered sacrifices based upon um, what Moses and Aaron specifically had asked them to sacrifice. So if you go into the weird books of the Bible, we'll call them like Leviticus, right? The ones where you're like, I'm going to read the Bible this year. And then you get to Leviticus and you're like, I'm out. (laughs) I'm out, right? We get there and, and there's all these sacrifices, right? There are these um, sacrifices uh, of, um, of grain. There are these fellowship sacrifices. There are blood sacrifices, right? There's, there's a variety of different sacrifices offered on behalf of the people. And where these sacrifices are offered and by who these sacrifices are offered is, is a priestly duty, right? Right? So, so in this day and age, in the Old Testament, the people are traveling along, and, and, there, and there's this place, it's called the tabernacle. It's where the presence of God is in the midst of their camp. So they're wandering around in the desert for 40 years, and in the middle of their camp is this big tent of meeting, right? And so they've, they've surrounded this tent of meeting, and they know that God resides in the midst of them, in the middle of them, in this, in this tabernacle, and that God goes with them wherever they go. And that the priests go to that tabernacle to do certain things. They go there specifically to offer sacrifices, right? If you know or would see the tabernacle, here's what you would see. You'd walk into a gate, and there would be sort of an outer courtyard. In that outer courtyard, there would be a huge uh, altar. And you, they would burn bulls, and they would burn lambs, and they would, build, they would burn animals without defect. Perfect animals without defect. That's an important little uh, tidbit of the story, right? Okay? It's important. And they would burn these animals as sacrifices. And then they would walk, we would walk a little further and you would see this huge wash basin because they would want to wash themselves. And there was a lot about purity and cleanliness and being set apart as clean and holy, right? And so the priests would clean themselves and, and, they, and, they, and then they would go into the, the holy place. And in the holy place, uh, they had to light some incense, uh, there was a lampstand, and they had to prepare themselves, and they had to offer sacrifices in there. And then once a year, the high priest would go in behind the final curtain, uh, which was into the Holy of Holies, or the most holy place. And in the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, uh, Aaron's staff, uh, the Ten Commandments. And once a year, the great high priest of the Israelites would go into that place and they would actually, as legend is told, they would tie a rope to the guy's leg, okay? Because if he got in there and he wasn't clean and he wasn't holy and he had something that God was holding against him, they wanted to be able to drag out his dead body. So, right, like this is one of those jobs you're like, hey, Bob, guess who gets to go into the Holy of Holies this year? You do. And Bob was like, oh, awesome. Not really, right? Because you're going to have to tie a rope on me in case God 
kills me in there, right? So once a year they would go in and they would, they would, they would spread blood all over the place. They would sprinkle blood on, on all the altars and the incense and the lampstand. They would go in and they would spread, um, sprinkle blood on uh, the corners of the Ark of the Covenant. And, and, and there was this sense of sacrifice knowing that their sin was great. And because their sin was great, they needed to repent and return, like the prophets told them. And they needed somebody to help them do that. And so that's where this whole idea of priests came in, right? The priests would, they would bless, they would offer prayers, and their highest duty was to offer sacrifices, especially in the Holy of Holies once a year. There's a couple of famous priests in the Old Testament. Melchizedek being the first. Melchizedek, uh, if you've got a Bible, turn to Genesis 14. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. We don't know a lot about Melchizedek. He just shows up uh, to Abraham after Abraham is running around away from Sodom and Gomorrah and he's, he's dealing with a lot of uh, really bad cultures in that time and day and he's trying to preserve his family in the midst of that culture. And in, in the midst of this story, there's this strange man that kind of appears out of nowhere. Verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Bread and wine. Bread and wine. Okay, bread and wine. That's weird. Alright, right? He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Interesting enough, that's kind of where, if you've, heard, if you've been in the church and you've heard about tithing, this is actually where that kind of comes from, that idea comes from. Um, so Melchizedek shows up as the God Most High. And what does he do? Well, he does one of the priestly roles, right? He blesses. He blesses. He blesses Abraham. He blesses his family. He says, hey, blessed be him. Right? This is the story of Abraham. He's the blessing who is going to bless everyone. And so the priest offers blessings on his behalf and then brings out bread and wine, probably offering some prayer. And also probably um, we're getting some sort of foreshadowing of some sacrifices maybe, right? With some, with some wine and some bread. So Melchizedek is, is one of the first priests that we see in the Bible. We, once again, we don't know much about this mysterious man uh, who was a priest of the God Most High. If you want to read more about him, uh, check out Hebrews. I've got some discussion questions on the back, and you can read a lot more about Melchizedek, this really, really mysterious um, character in the Old Testament. And second uh, priest that was famous in the Old Testament was Aaron. Aaron's probably the most famous uh, priest in the Old Testament. Aaron is where we do get the, um, the priestly blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and in Exodus 28, verse 1, it says this, Have Aaron, your brother, he's talking to Moses here, Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar, so they may serve me as Priests, so they may serve me as priests. This is one of the first moments in the Bible where God says, Hey, Moses, I want to set aside, set apart certain folks in your, um, in, in, in your tribe, in your people, um, who would serve as 
priests. And, and from that time on, uh, the lineage of Aaron was um, folks from his family and relatives of his that would serve in this capacity. They would be those who would be priests. They would give blessings. They would offer prayers. And they would offer sacrifices. Aaron is an interesting uh, character in the Old Testament. Moses' brother and is one of the most famous priests in the Bible. So priests, they, they give blessings, they offer prayers, they offer sacrifices. A couple uh, famous ones are Melchizedek and Aaron. Um, but what's the point, Brian? Right? Get to the point. You're starting to ramble a little bit. We're running out of time, right? What's the point? Well, here's the point. Jesus is the greater priest. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus shows up and he begins to give blessings. And he begins to teach his disciples how to pray. And then, and then Jesus, the pure and spotless without sin person, right? Okay, are you catching this, right? Remember, remember back in, in, in the outer courtyard, there was a big altar. What did we offer on that altar? Bulls and lambs. And what did they, what did they need to be? Come on, somebody help me. Perfect. They need to be pure and spotless, right? So, so Jesus, pure and spotless, without sin, He shows up. He never sins, right? And then, He is nailed to a cross where He says things from the cross like this, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, right? Jesus is the great high priest. Listen, he didn't just offer the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice, right? Like he, he, he didn't bring a lamb or a goat or a bull. He brought himself to the cross and he poured out his own blood on the cross for the ultimate sacrifice for us. Because of this, it just changes everything, right? It just changes everything. Let's think about the implications of this. If Jesus offers prayer, gives blessing, and is the ultimate sacrifice, listen, you are blessed by the King Mosai. You're blessed by the priest who is of greatest priest, right? When I bless you at the end of this service, that is just not that great compared to Jesus, right? Oh, thanks, Brian. Right? Like, that's how you... Right? Like, Jesus Himself is your priest, and He blesses you. Jesus Himself is seated at the right hand of the Father, praying and interceding for you right now. Right? The picture and vision that we get of Jesus is that He ascends to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and that He is He's interceding for us. He's saying, God, no, 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 don't see them in their sin. See them in what I've done for them. See them in the perfect sacrifice that I was. See them in the light of being pure and spotless and beautiful in your sight. Right now, He's doing that on your behalf, right? He... <laughs> He's blessing you. He's praying for you. And He has been the great sacrifice for you. Jesus is up on the cross, right? Go back to the tabernacle. Jesus is up on the cross and He gives up His Spirit. 
And there's this tremendous earthquake and there's darkness. And then there's something really ha- interesting that happens in the temple. Anybody know what it is? There's this large, what? Curtain, right? Because they, they had the same thing as the tabernacle, they had the temple. And there's this large curtain. And something crazy happens. That curtain between the, the holy place and the most holy place gets ripped in two. As if the hand of God himself comes down there and goes, guess what? The Holy of Holies is available for everyone now. Right? We're not going to tie a rope to you anymore because we're afraid that we got to drag you out because you're going to be dead. Right? It is available to you right now. The greatest sacrifice was made so you can have full access to the most holy place. You can have full access to God himself. Can I just tell you, like, I don't, I know some of you grew up in uh, traditions where you had priests and um, that's okay. Um, But can I, I'm just going to say how, what we believe at this church. We don't think you need a priest. Uh, we don't, I'm not a priest, I'm not a priest, right? Uh, and, and, and you don't need one. You don't need one. Like, uh, and I, I want to be gentle with my Catholic friends in the room. Okay. I love you. You're my brother and sister, but this is where we sort of two roads diverge in the woods. And I took this one. Okay. Right. So, so, um, if the implications here are that Jesus is the priest, that he is in between you and God, it means that you don't need anybody in between you and God. And some of you like come to me and still treat me like a priest, and it makes me crazy, people. Okay? Right? Like, can I say it this way? I'm not any closer to God than you are. I'm not. I have struggles, and I have sins, and man, you, some of you know me. I'm not that holy, right? It's just, come on, right? Right? And the reality is, you don't have to talk to me to get access to God. You can go talk to God at any point, at any day, at any time. He is there, accessible, Emmanuel, God with us, Right? This is the story of Christmas, that he is the great high priest. There's no longer a need for a priest. You can come directly to the Father. And so that's what we're going to do this morning, right? Now, I I love praying for you, and I love blessing you, and I love setting up this meal for you. Um, But but really, in a tangible sense this morning, um, I want Jesus to feed you. Right? Like, I, I can't feed you very well. I, I, got, I, I got nothing too, too great to offer, but Jesus has everything to offer to you this morning. Right? The ultimate sacrifice gave his body and gave his blood for you. The ultimate priest, he, he stepped into the Holy of Holies on your behalf and the curtain was torn in two so that you could approach boldly the throne of grace. So this morning, that's what I want to give you an opportunity to do. You don't need to say any special prayers. <laughs> you don't need to dress a certain way or have something certain figured out. All you need to do is come with a repentant heart. Because the priest has gone before you. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's been the ultimate and perfect sacrifice for you. And he, Jesus, is the point.